my Savior bids me to speak honestly, for he cares for those in misery. It's not well with my soul. It's not well, he still cares for my soul. When all I have is brokenness, he gladly holds each part. Good morning and welcome to Cross Point Baptist Church and happy Father's Day to the fathers that are out there. All right, we got some claps for the fathers. That's good. That's good. And those that are still um, watching Facebook Live, Pastor Rick gave me the thumbs up. We're off and running there. And uh, I was just outside um, with our drive-in church. There's a handful of cars out there. Uh, I caught Greg Ferguson eating. And he wanted to know if this was Sonics. He wanted me to come up on my roller skates and uh, do that deal. So the answer is no to that. That will not be happening. But we're grateful to be in God's house to, today. We're grateful to be with God's people today. Now, you may be thinking, well, what do you mean God's people? As a believer, when you're giving your life to him, he, you're put in God's family. That's something that he does. And it's something that we don't get to do ourselves. It's very special to have a church family. And on that note, I wanted to take a moment and read something that it, it describes what I've, how I've been viewing our church for the last several months through with the COVID thing. And I, kept, I keep trying to tell people, the members of our church, like, how are we doing? I'm like, I'm telling you, our church, our foundation is strong. I'm, I'm listening to other churches and they're, they're having to do things so differently, they're not sure how to approach it. And I keep saying our foundation is strong. And what I mean by that is our giving has been very faithful. In fact, it went up a little bit and leveled off our, uh, uh, the spiritual level of our church, the encouragement. I, even in the midst when things are happening, is very strong. And I, I've been struggling to put that into words. Pastor Rick got a, uh, received a message from um, uh, one of the leaders of where he works at school, and it reads like this, and he shared it with me because I think it describes our church well. It says, if your church survived two or three months without programs, chances are there's much more holding it together than the program. Here is, here is my advice. Spend time strengthening that which held it together and don't spend all your time trying to resurrect that which you thought was holding it together. At our church, we have been saying this for years now. It holds true. My Bible's right over there. If it was here, I'd be holding it up. That's the foundation of Cross Point Baptist Church. Our foundation is the Bible. Um, Jesus Christ is our chief cornerstone, and he has proven true. His word has been proven to be true even in the midst of a crisis. Yes. 
So here we stand, well, sit today, and um, on this Father's Day, we are grateful to be able to be here together. Um, today is unique. I've asked Bob McGee to sing uh, a special, and then Gary Coffey to sing a special, and then Andrew Ridings will be uh, uh, proclaiming the word today. I've asked Andrew to preach today, to minister to us through the word, back in about January or February. And uh, that was on purpose, by design, on this day, because Andrew's a father now. And it adds a different element to how he approaches life, how he approaches the word, and how it's lived out. So let's bow for a word of prayer. We'll open in a word of prayer. And after that prayer, I might sneak out with the drive-in crew for a little bit, and then I'll be right back in uh, as we continue on worshiping him. Let's bow. Dear Lord, we cannot overstate how much we appreciate the truth of your word that says you will not leave or forsake the genuine believer. We don't have to to worry. We tend to worry, dear God, but you say, also say, don't worry, trust and obey, obey and trust. And you have proven yourself true over and over again. So whether people are listening through Facebook Live, watching, or they're listening through the drive-in out in our parking lot, or even if we're in the building today, gathered together, we want you to be uplifted. We want to say thank you today. We also need to receive instruction because we're a forgetful people and we are a, a people that needs instruction, not Not marching orders per se, but just lead, guide, teach us, and then give us the ability, the discernment to put that into action and apply it to our hearts. Bless today's singing. Bless today's uh, reading of your word. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Brother Bob. I'm going to put in for an escalator here. It's hard on an old man trying to get up here. Happy Father's Day to all you fathers. Kind of homesick for a country to which I've never been before. No sad goodbye. 
will there be spoken and time won't matter anymore Beulah land I'm longing for you and someday on the This song here talks about the, one of the most singular important events in human history, Cross of Christ. When Adam saw his wife's sin in the garden, in the distance, God saw a cross. <clears throat> 
And when Cain slew his brother, God was watching. And God saw a cross. When in anger, God saw a cross. And when David chose Bathsheba over honor, God knew there had to be a cross. God saw a cross that was raised on the horizon. God saw his son being slain for one and all. God saw his blood being shed for my redemption for every fall. God saw a cross. When I was born, the world just saw sinner. But thanks to Jesus, God saw a cross. And when I, when I rejected his great offer, Thanks to Jesus, God saw a cross. Oh, and with each wicked choice, I walked in darkness. Oh, my God saw a cross. So blinded by my sin, my soul was helpless, but with eyes of mercy, God still saw a cross. God saw a cross being raised on the horizon. God saw his son being slain for one and all. God saw his blood being shed for my redemption for every fault. God saw a cross. Oh, and when I finally gave my heart to Jesus, from that moment of time, now until forever when god sees me now he only sees a cross god sees a cross and was raised on the horizon god sees his son who was slain for one and all. God sees his blood that was shed for my redemption for every fault. 
God sees a cross. God sees a cross. Good morning. Am I on, Brad? Good deal. All right, good morning and happy Father's Day once again to all the fathers who are with us and for those who are joining us live on Facebook and even out in the parking lot. Father's Day is a fantastic day to celebrate the dads in our lives. Um, but I would, uh, I would be doing an injustice if I didn't bring uh, to the fact and forefront that Father's Day for everyone isn't always a happy experience and can be filled with pain, painful memories, maybe the memories of the loss of our father who has passed away. Um, perhaps our dad left us when we were young and we grew up fatherless for, for some. And for others, maybe our father wasn't the type of father and didn't live up to the title that it, of dad. Um, but in whatever way you can today, let me encourage you, honor the dads in your life, the ones who have lived up to that title. Um, a father is a, it's a heavy title. It really is, and now that uh, I have two little girls of my own, it, it has a new, a new weight and meaning to it for me. Uh, this year, Father's Day is uh, extra special again, being my first Father's Day and having my two girls. Um, but my journey to fatherhood was a little different than maybe some. Um, Molly and I, we looked into a couple years ago, back when we still lived up north in Canton, or Bolivar, just south of Canton, Ohio, we decided that um, that we wanted to adopt our children. We decided that fostering to adopt was not a last resort for us. However, it was a choice that we were making, and more importantly, it was a calling from our Heavenly Father. Um, it's been a long process for us. We had to relocate from four hours away, had to move back here, find new jobs, uh, transition, and as many of you know, our housing situation, trying to sell our house up there, took much longer than we expected. Um, and so that kind of slowed up our process on this journey. Um, it took numerous days and nights and weekends of training classes to be certified. And then after all that was taking place, they're still just waiting for God to bring the children into our lives. Along that road, we had some doors that we thought God had opened, and so we step, went to step through them only to have them close in our face. And as God did that, obviously those were, were hurtful times and painful memories as we thought we were doing what God wanted. But God's hand never left. His plan was never less clear. And in his time, he brought our daughter Serenity and Trinity into our lives. And, and this morning, I'm very thankful to him to be able to call them my daughters. Um, we wanted to take a moment too, as before we get into God's word, to say thank you, church. We know that you have prayed for us along this journey. Uh, please continue to pray for us. You have given, um, you've given us clothes, you've given us help, you've offered your assistance. Some of you have gone through background checks and fingerprinting just so you can help us with childcare. And we appreciate you, church. We appreciate all that you've done for our family. Um, 
There is no family like a church family, and it is great to be a part of God's family. So we wanted to publicly say thank you for your love and support for us. Let's open with a word of prayer, can we? Our Heavenly Father, God, we are grateful this morning to be in your house. God, uh, on a day in which we put a focus on fathers, and Lord, today we want the Father to be focused on most to be you as our Heavenly Father. You are a good father to us. You are a loving father. Lord, we pray that now as your word is read, that the words would speak to us, that your words would speak to us. Lord, I pray that you would help me to speak only what you would have me to say, Lord, that the words that come out of my mouth would be from your word and would be accurate, Lord, and rightly dividing the word of truth. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you, Father, for loving us. In Christ's name, amen. So this morning, what I, Pastor Scott had asked me to preach uh, way back in January, February, that's unusual, and that one, I usually don't get that much notice. So it was encouraging to have such a long time to study. Um, and I actually did. I didn't wait till the last minute to study because that's what I'm used to. So I've been working on this for a while, thinking about it while I'm at work, uh, going through my mind. And this morning, what I'd like to speak on is really adoption and how it relates to the Bible. The Bible has a lot to say about adoption. We see adoption take place numerous times in the Bible, uh, Moses being one of the first to come to my mind, and also Samuel, who was essentially adopted. Um, they are given up by his mother Hannah into the temple of God as she had promised them, and he lived there at the temple and was just basically assumed um, there by uh, the Eli, wasn't it? Eli? I believe it was. Um, so this morning, adoption has a lot to do with the Bible. What I'd like to do is, because adoption has been near to my heart, but it's also near to the Father's heart this morning. So if you would, open in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 through 5. Because this is a topical message, um, it's not expositional and where we're going to root down in one passage and just stay there. We're going to be flipping quite a bit, so I hope uh, you're ready to turn in your Bible some this morning. But God's Word is very clear on what adoption means to our Heavenly Father. The journey to adoption is often long, as I mentioned. It began for us in January of 2019 when we actually started the classes, not counting the time before when we actually uh, began the plan and moving, and we're actually still in this process. But what uh, Ephesians is going to show us is that adoption begins even before birth because the Father has a plan. Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 5, here's what it says. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ. For he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He did this by predestinating us to the adoption as legal heirs through Jesus Christ, according to the pleasure of his will. God's plan for his children began not the moment that the child itself has the ideal or thought of wanting to be in the family of God, but it began before the foundations of the world, it tells us. God's plan for us and those of us who are his children began in eternity past because he had set his love on us. As we go through, we notice that the Father has chosen us in Christ, verse 4. It was an act. It was a distinct action by our Heavenly Father that set the path, that began the ball, and that would eventually complete the process of moving us into the family of God. 
before the earth was formed and there was any earthly thought of our existence, we had a father who had set his love on us and chose us for his family. Just like any child who's adopted, we're not born into God's family. We're born into a different family. If you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 8, verse 44. John chapter 8, verse 44. What we see as you're flipping there, I'll give you the context. In John chapter 8, Jesus had been teaching in the temple. Um, during chapter 8, we also see the adulterous woman has been brought to Christ, the woman who had been caught in adultery, and Jesus is challenged on what should be done to her because the law said that she must be stoned. And Jesus, rather than going on a speech towards these Jewish leaders who were clearly trying to set him up and had no interest in justice or God's law, simply stooped down and began to write in the sand, and her accusers left one by one from the oldest to the youngest. And then immediately before we find this, we see that uh, these Jewish leaders once again come to Christ and they're challenging who Christ is and where he came from. So what we see in John 8, 44, Jesus is drawing a line between the spiritual families of Abraham, a godly family, and Satan's family. Here's what he says in verse 44. He says, you people are from your father, the devil, and you want to do what your father desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not uphold the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he lies, he speaks according to his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. What the Bible teaches us is that each of us, when we are born into the world as a result of Adam and Eve's disobedience to God in the Garden of Eden, we are born with a sin nature. We are born into a family, but it is not God's family. The Bible teaches we are born into a spiritual family that is in Satan's family and the devil's family, alienated from God. The Bible even goes so far to say we are born enemies of God. And yet, as enemies of God, there was a loving father who looked past our hatred, our natural instinctive hatred of the things of God and of God's standards, of his holiness and for who he is. And he looked down in love on us and he chose us before the foundations of the world. We had a father who came, a father who sent his son to die for us. We have a loving father. So we are born into a spiritual family of Satan, but God's plan is not for us to stay in that family. The father has a plan to bring us into his family. In the process of adoption, there's nothing that the child can do. As we look at the physical world, and even when we relate that to the spiritual world, physically, the children cannot initiate adoption, it's all taken care of for them by parents, their parents, their adoptive parents. Their father will seek them out. And just like us, when we want and get adopted into the family of God, there is nothing that we can do. We can't work our way into God's family. We cannot earn our way into God's family. It's by his grace and through grace and faith alone that we are brought into the family of God. It's done by him, by a loving father who has done it all for us. I'm thankful for that because... Um, I don't think I could ever live up. I know that I could never live up to his holy standards to be brought into his family. So turn back once again to Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to reread part of what we've read. The child cannot start the process, but the father does. Ephesians 1, verses 3, and this time we'll read through verse 8. It says, Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ. 
For he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy, blameless before him in love. He did this by predestining us to adoption as legal heirs through Jesus Christ. According to the pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, that he has freely bestowed on us in his dearly loved Son. In him we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of our offenses, according to the riches of his grace, that he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. Verse 4 again, the Father chose. Verse 5 continues, it says, He did this, he chose us, and he did this by predestining us to adoption as legal heirs. Again, the Father's hand in this cannot be overlooked. Our salvation, our adoption into the family of God cannot be overlooked as coming directly from a loving Father. At the end of verse 5, it says that the Father has made us legal heirs. There is no distinction that God makes between the adoptee and his own child that would be born to him directly. Today in the United States, the moment that a child is born, their original birth certificate is sealed by the court. When the judge issues the decree, the decree of adoption, their original birth certificate is sealed forever, and immediately there is a new birth certificate that is issued that lists their names, their new names given to them, and that lists the adoptive parents as their birth parents. In the eyes of the court and for the purposes of the rest of life, that child is as if they had always had their adoptive parents as their birth parents. In fact, they are no longer adoptive parents. They are the child's parents. The adopted child receives the inheritance and they're entitled to the full wealth and rights as any biological child. And in God's family, it is no different. The adopted child will receive the inheritance. Flip a few pages over to 1 Peter chapter 1. In 1 Peter chapter 1, we'll be in verses 3 through 5 here for a few minutes. And it talks about the adoption that God has set aside for his children. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he gave us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That is, into an inheritance imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. It is reserved in heaven for you, who by God's power are protected through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last times. The Father's inheritance, when we look at it, uh, even before we get to the Father's inheritance, the hope we have as believers in Jesus Christ, the hope we have in a heavenly Father who would love us and bring us into his family from a family that is indwelled with hatred towards him and the things of God and his righteousness. We are brought over by his love, but we have hope in his family. We have hope in him, but it's not just a hope like the world has, but it's a living hope. And we have a living hope because we have a living Savior. God sent his son not only to redeem us, to complete that adoption transaction, but his son had cost him his life, but he did not stay dead. Three days later, he arose from the grave, proving he was the one and only son of God, our Savior. And because of what Jesus has done for us, because of the actions of the Father who has adopted us into his family, we who have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ have been given an inheritance 
And it says that the inheritance is imperishable. To be imperishable, it means it doesn't go away. It's not going to decay. It's not going to rust. That inheritance is there. It will not expire as God's promises do not expire. The inheritance the Father has set up for us is also undefiled. It means it's pure. Um, there's no blemish in his promise. There's no um, fault. There's no, it's not exactly right. It's not quite perfect, but good enough. The inheritance that the Father has for us, it's pure. We have a Father who is pure. The Father's inheritance is also unfading. It's not rusting. You're not going to inherit this inheritance from our Heavenly Father and be able to go blow it on a new Mustang. You're not going to have to buy a house with it either. He's already prepared a mansion for his children. Our Father's inheritance, it doesn't fade away. And then it says that the inheritance from our Father is reserved in heaven for you. Take a moment to consider that. It's not a broad-based. He doesn't say that the inheritance is reserved for a broad group of people. The Father's mind is set on me, and it's set on you individually, because this has been a purposeful process. From before the world began, his mind, his love, has been set on each of us. This is the sort of Father that we have. As we think about adoption in this picture, it's not, while it's a powerful illustration as we think of it here, the Heavenly Father put this in his word because he knew the word picture that this would put for us, the illustrative purposes and power that this would have. It's a powerful picture God has given us by using this adoptive word picture. He describes the life of someone adopted from the family of Satan into the family of the Father. So we've taken a moment, we've looked at what adoption is, a little bit of what the Bible talks about when it uses the words, and we've looked at the transition from the family we're born into, into the family that we uh, go in, into God's family when he saves our soul, when he adopts us into his family. But I want to take a moment, and I'd like to look at two more perspectives this morning as we are going through the service. I want to take the next few moments, and I want to look at the child's perspective. Um, from an earthly sense, I'm thinking of th trying to envision this through the eyes of my daughters. And uh, from a spiritual perspective, we can also, there's a lot of similarities that we can gauge. So the first thing I want, the statement I'd like to make is that adoption leads to an intimate relationship. Turn, if you would, to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 will be in verse 15. Romans 8.15, once you find your place there, here's what it says. It says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery leading again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The moment a child has been adopted into the family of God, just as Jesus had promised his followers, even the disciples, his spirit comes to dwell within the believer. And that spirit, being the Holy Spirit, he has many purposes and functions in our lives. But the Bible here specifically references him as the spirit of adoption. 
Later, we're going to turn to some places that talk about him being, this, being sealed with the Holy Spirit, about him being the guarantee of our salvation. And then as we go down, it says that by the spirit of adoption, we cry out, Abba, Father. And it's interesting that there's, there's two names there for God, but really what it comes down to is this intimate relationship that adoption creates. We now have the accessibility to call God by this name, and if we were to translate it the best we can into English, it would come out Daddy. It's not Father. It's so intimate to be able to call God Daddy by His design, that relationship He seeks with His children, Daddy. Flip over to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Galatians 4, 4 through 7. The Bible says that, But when the appropriate time had come, God sent out a son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we may be adopted as sons with full rights. And because you are God's sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, who calls Abba Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if you are a son, then you are also an heir through God. Again, we see kind of another reference here to the phrase, Abba, Father, that intimate calling out to a dad. There are, I know in some distant relations of mine, I know that there have been times in my family when their father would want to be called specifically father. Their mom did not want to be called mom or mommy. They wanted to be called mother, and it was a sign of respect. And indeed, God is our Heavenly Father, and He deserves that respect. And yet, the God who deserves that respect is worthy of that respect, and we should give that respect to, invites us, because of His love for us, to approach Him as Daddy. We see the, um, the accessibility. Hebrews talks about it in relation to our prayer, that we can come boldly before the throne of grace. And we see that, that accessibility, that we do not serve a God who is distant, we do not serve a God who is not concerned with our daily affairs and the affairs of mankind. As many scoffers accuse him of today, people who do not believe in God say, if God is existing, if he exists, then why would he allow this? Why would he do this? God does exist. God has a plan. God cares deeply. And he invites those to turn, everyone who will to turn to him and seek him out. He desires this relationship of adoption in which they can approach him as daddy. That's hard for me. I grew up in a church, um, very, very conservative church, um, to even think of God in terms of daddy. Heavenly Father is easy for me to think of him at, but it's even a little bit of a struggle for me to even relate to God as daddy for fear of being disrespectful to him in some way. Um, and yet, that is not something, a fear that he has put in my heart, because here he has invited me into this relationship. We see that the Spirit of God in Galatians 4 was sent to confirm the intimate relationship we now have with the Father. But you know, an adopted child can have a lot of questions, just like the new believer can. These are some questions I thought of. What's the sincerity of the love or the relationship that my new parents have for me? 
Have you ever wondered from, from a child's perspective or as your perspective as you relate to God, a new believer, does God really love me that much? We know 1 John uh, 4.19 tells us that we love him because he first loved us. That's the reality and the sincerity of God's love for his children. An adopted child may question whether it will last forever. Will this intimate relationship that we now have, is it temporary or will this last forever? Turn to John chapter 10, verse 28 and 30. Gospel of John. John chapter 10, verse 28 through 30, Jesus is uh, speaking about his followers, and he's actually referred to them as sheep immediately preceding this. But Jesus says, referring those who follow him, he says, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them from my hands. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one can snatch them from my Father's hands. The Father and I are one. Will the relationship last forever? Jesus is very clear. Once we are in his hands, we are in the Father's hands, and we are secure. Hopefully you're not tired of turning in your Bible yet. We still have a few more. We're going to go back one more time to Ephesians 1. And this time we're going to look at verses 13 through 14. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 through 14. Ephesians 1, verse 13 through 14 says this, And when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed in Christ, you were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit, who is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. And then again over another page or so in your Bible to chapter 4 of Ephesians. In verse 30 is going to echo a similar sentiment. We're instructed, it says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. We see in these passages that the spirit of adoption seals the believer's lives. It guarantees this adoption that God has issued. It's non-revocable. It can't be overturned. It can't be overthrown. God has decreed it. It's, it's for real. We've been sealed by the spirit of adoption. The Holy Spirit indwells the believer. In Ohio, on average, a child will spend at least two years in the foster care system before they're able to be adopted, before they're eligible to be adopted. This takes a lot of time, and it also leaves a lot of time for many, many broken promises. So will it last forever is a very real question for the child being adopted. Many of us, through our lives, we've also been let down. People have made us promises. They have made us guarantees and yet only to find shortly thereafter that the people have gone back on their promise, they've gone back on their word. So as a new believer, we may find ourselves questioning whether God meant it, that it would last forever. But he has given us his spirit to guarantee, as proof to us, that we know that the work he's began in us, he will complete. In the news, for some who uh, follow maybe some of the more social news going on out there. There's actually a tragic example right now of a uh, family um, on TikTok. They are considered TikTok stars. It's a new form of social media. 
Um, my only understanding of it is people dance to music. I don't really understand it personally, but they danced to music and uh, they had adopted the son from overseas. Well, they adopted the son and it had, he had special needs and uh, the, the headlines were, and the terminology they used was they rehomed their son because they did not want to take care of it. They didn't feel that they could take care of it, of uh, their son um, properly is what they used. Um, it seemed to come across more as it was just an inconvenience for their lifestyle. But we have a father who doesn't abandon. He doesn't abandon. Another question that no, uh, we may not think of is, what do I call you? Um, my, my girls, uh, what do I call you? That was kind of interesting as they came to live with us the last day of 2019. They've been with us about six months now, seeing how they relate to us and what they call us, how that's changed, how it's gone from first names to um, data is what they like to call me now. So um, I'll take it. Um, but with our Heavenly Father, a new believer, how do we talk to God? How do we refer to him? You see it a lot when it comes to even praying, like, I want to talk to God, but I'm not sure. How do I do this? What does it look like? How do I, what, what words do I use? And yet God invites us to that intimate personal relationship in which we can refer to him as daddy, and he wants to know our hearts. Of course, he already knows our hearts. But the aspect of prayer is for us to rely on him. Praying brings us to a point of realizing our need for him. Um, how much can I trust you? Um, and will you leave me too? Those are two more questions. Uh, Hebrews uh, 13 and verse 5. Hebrews 13 and verse 5. The Bible says, make sure I got my right spot here. Uh, your conduct must be free from love of money, and you must be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you, and I will never abandon you. King James says, I will never forsake you. We have a promise for our Father that no matter what, where we are in life, he will provide for us. We can trust him. We don't have to be discontent with where we are because our Father um, is going to take care of us. Jesus referenced this in regards to the birds of the air, how they don't sow, they don't reap, um, they, don't, they don't do any of these things, and yet the Heavenly Father knows of their needs, and he supplies them every day. And Jesus follows that up by saying, are you not more valuable than them? The answer is yes, we are. Um, God has set his love on us. He will never abandon us, and God has never left anyone orphan. One last question here is, can I depend on you to meet my needs, or do I have to continue doing it on my own. New believers, we often find ourselves being hesitant to ask God to meet our needs, and yet it's God who invites us to rely on him. Oftentimes we struggle um, as believers, I think particularly as American believers, to kind of give up that self-dependence, that self-reliance that we tend to have and we're taught. It's ingrained in us by our culture to rely on ourselves to meet our needs, yet our Heavenly Father says, I will supply your needs. Um, and he says he'll supply our needs according to the riches of his grace. Um, how far can I push you? These are questions that a child won't ask, but they're questions that will go through their mind. When it comes to rules and boundaries, where's the line? Can I push you away? And how about discipline? If you love me, why would you punish me? Hebrews chapter 12 
If you're in Hebrews 13, Hebrews chapter 12, verses five, starting at verse 5, talks about this. And it says, And have you forgotten the exhortation addressed to you as sons? My son, do not scorn the Lord's discipline, or give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son he accepts. Endure your suffering as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? But if you do not experience discipline, something all sons have shared in, then you are illegitimate and are not sons. Besides, we have experienced discipline from our earthly fathers and we respected them. Shall we not submit ourselves all the more to the father of spirits and receive life? For they disciplined us for a little while, as seemed good to them. But he does so for our benefit, that we may share his holiness now, all discipline seems painful at the time and not joyful, but later it produces the fruit of peace and righteousness for those trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your listless hands and your weakness and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but be healed. Discipline serves a purpose not only in our physical lives but also in the spiritual lives. So as a point of application here for us this morning, I would ask believer, How's your walk right now? Are you walking close with God? Or are you going through a time when you feel that maybe, maybe God's kind of on you about some sin in your life that you haven't been able to turn over to him and repent of? If God is working in your life, if God is even um, allowing discipline and putting discipline into your life to bring you back to him, don't run from it. Embrace it. It's there for a reason. Just like we would never purposefully punish our child just for the sake of punishing our child, we want to teach them, instruct them, help them grow, help them learn our Heavenly Father all the more with a perfect will, with holiness, where there is no selfish desires there. He is doing this for your good, to bring you and conform you to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. If we have been adopted as sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father, it should lead to obedience as sons and daughters. Disobedience to the Father may reveal an internal love for our former Father. But the longer we are with our Heavenly Father, the easier it is to see our former Father for who He is. When you come to know Christ, when you walk with Christ, when you learn of His nature, it's easy to see that the former Father, the family we came from, the family of Satan, that's not where we want to be. That was never good for us. But the Heavenly Father, He is the one that we are to be with. As we work towards our conclusion here, the last perspective I want to look at is the Father's perspective. There is a lot of joy of being called Father um, and being a Father. About a month after our girls came to live with us, Trinity, uh, my youngest daughter, she was talking about something, and as they often do, they... um, she was talking, and in the middle of it, she referenced me, and for the first time, she let, it, she let the word dad slip. She called me dad, and she immediately started laughing. It was hysterical. It was the funniest thing she'd ever said, she thought, at the moment. Um, and it was, while it was a genuine laughter, I think there's a bit of nervousness there, because the question is, is that okay? Um, obviously, it was, she was reassured instantly that it was more than okay for her to call me dad and reference me as dad. Um, But the joy of being called a father, it's something special. So I'd like you to think for a moment, for each of you who are parents, about the joy and pride you experience when your child calls you mom or dad. 
And I'm not talking like first thing in the morning when the siblings are fighting and they want you to intervene. Mom, dad, right? I'm talking when they sincerely call you mom and dad from their heart and you know it's a genuine thing. Perhaps it's the first time they've, um, when they learned to speak and they said mom or dad for the first time. Think about that joy and that pride that you can feel in that moment. And then take a step back. Imagine for a moment the joy and pride when a child who has no obligation to you, who has no conditioning, they're not taught from the moment they're born to call you as mom or dad. And there's no expectation set by you or anyone else that they refer to you as mom or dad when they choose to call you mom or dad. When the child makes the statement, you are my mom and you are my dad. I've heard those words. I can only imagine how much that that means to me, how much a loving Heavenly Father feels when we come to him out of the love he's given us simply being reflected back to him and we cry out, Daddy, Abba, Father, when we come to him with that intimate relationship, our God's accessible and he is with us. As we wrap up this morning, I've made two lists on uh, the Father that I'd like to read. And I'd like you to consider these things. The first one is uh, the Father provides, what the Father provides. The Father provides love, food, shelter, protection, clothing, salvation, guidance, hope, comfort, healing, discipline, forgiveness, light, rest, holiness, grace, mercy, peace, joy, and the Father provided the sacrifice for our salvation. As earthly fathers, there are some of these things that we can provide in a limited fashion. However, as earthly fathers, fathers, the one thing we cannot do is we cannot be these things. The last list is, here's what the Father is. The Father is love. He is shelter. He is protection and our salvation. He is our hope. The Father is our comfort. He is healing. He is our forgiveness and our light. He is rest to the weary. He is holiness. Our Father is our righteousness. He is grace. He is mercy. He is our peace and our joy. The Father is our strength and he is wisdom. Our Father is all-knowing, he is all-powerful, and he's all-present. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the sacrifice and the eternal God. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he is the everlasting Father. This is who God is, and we love him because he first loved us. Today, my question and challenge to you is, will you call him Daddy today? Will you call him Lord? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, God, we are so grateful today, Lord, for your word. We are thankful for this word picture of adoption that you've given us, Lord, for the powerful life example that we can see, Lord, that we can feel, and God, that you have privileged me to experience. Father, we look at your word. We are thankful that you set your love on us, that you have chosen us to be your children, Lord.
Lord, maybe there's someone here today who does not know you as Savior, Lord. They have yet to experience the adoption into your family. God, I pray that today would be the day of salvation, as your word says, that they would choose today to come to you in faith, Lord, and that today they could be moved from the family of Satan into the family, uh, to your family, Lord, and forever be your child. Lord, I pray that you would be with everyone that is here, present, and those listening, God, um, online and in the parking lot. God, that they would be encouraged by knowing their Heavenly Father today. We are thankful, God, that you loved us, and we will love you because you first love us. Lord, help us to honor you throughout this day. In Christ's name, amen. I trust that it's been a good day to be in God's house this morning. I pray that God's word's been encouraging to you. Honor the fathers in your life if you can. Honor them in any way you see fit. Enjoy the day, church. You are dismissed. His heart A broken and contrite